my name is Mitch Tucker. I'm the children's pastor here at Calvary. This is my wife, Mary Beth, and we've been married for 12 years. And uh, this is our story. So we met when I was a senior in high school. Yeah, at first, I was definitely not a church person. And uh, then God just got a hold of my life. And I started going to church, got involved in different uh, Bible club, and just couldn't get enough of him. Uh, we began to date. And we dated for about a month before I graduated high school. And then the day after that, I moved up to Montana, where we had a uh, year and a half long, long distance relationship. So after I graduated high school, four months later, we got married and he moved me a thousand miles away from my parents and we thought we had our life all figured out. We had financial struggles as a lot of young people do. We were both at dead end jobs. We were both, we were in a tiny apartment. We're both learning how to be adults, how to just handle everyday life uh, issues. A couple years into our marriage, we found out this great news that we were pregnant, that uh, we were expecting a baby, and we were scared, we had this fear, but we were also excited, just ready to start our family. So amongst the fighting with the finances, the, the not sure what to do, we found out that we had had a miscarriage. And at that point, I really fell into a deep depression, and I didn't I felt alone. I felt like we were still so young. We didn't know how to be adults. We didn't know how to be married. And now we were dealing with this miscarriage. The struggle that we were having, it led to more fights, more uh, serious arguments. And there was even times that uh, the divorce word was thrown around uh, from both sides. The only thing we could do was turn to God. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. And I just had to hold on to the path straight part because I felt like we were both at dead-end jobs making nothing, by barely making our bills. I saw nothing for our future. And I just, it was so depressing. And then to read that verse that God said, I'm gonna make your path straight. I'm the one who's got this. And just trusting him and putting my joy in him and realizing that I don't have to figure this all out. He's He's got our backs. We've got two amazing, beautiful kids. Uh, I've got uh, the job uh, I dreamed about for years. Uh, I couldn't imagine being more blessed by God. Our marriage still isn't perfect. We still have conflicts. We still have tensions. There's still uh, fights that erupt, but we've learned how to handle that conflict in a more healthy way. And uh, always just to put our trust in God. And that, that's what helps us get through the stuff that we're dealing with now. That's what helps us to uh, be gracious with each other, to be forgiving, to offer that mercy. And that's uh, what's changed our relationship. You know, it is exciting to hear the stories of how God redeems our lives. Uh, and uh, we're in the middle of our, of our series called Created For, where we're looking at marriages, at families, at, at God's design and intent for us. And I just want you to know that we are for your family. 
And we believe that no matter what your situation is, God can redeem, God can heal, God can restore, God can give second chances. God is involved when you listen to him, when you invite him into your life. I'm going to invite you to turn to uh, Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5, in your Bibles, your Bible apps, uh, that's going to be one of our texts. The other one is 1 Corinthians 7, so uh, you might want to you know, turn to one, mark one, or just uh, wing it when the time comes. Uh, Proverbs is, by the way, if you don't have a Bible with you, there's, there's Bibles in the seats around you. Grab one of those, turn to page 629 for Proverbs and 1135 for 1 Corinthians 7. And, uh, and as always, if you're here and you don't have a Bible and you want one, then please take one of those with you because we want you to have the Word of God and read the Word of God because we know if you do that, God will change your life. Uh, we're four families and we know that God can redeem uh, from anything. And one of those things that sabotages families is addiction. And we have this wonderful ministry here at Calvary called Celebrate Recovery. And... Uh, I love it when there's a cheering section. And, uh, but this Monday night, uh, Celebrate Recovery is celebrating 15 years as a ministry here at Calvary. And so uh, we're going to, yeah, it's, hey, it has impacted thousands of people. And, and, and here's what uh, they're doing Monday night, and you're all invited, that there is a free dinner at 5.30, okay? This is at the McCulloch campus, 5.30, Monday night, free dinner. Uh, I think it's being catered by Lynn's Little China. And then uh, at 6.30, there's a concert. Again, it's free. Jill Miller is going to be uh, uh, singing and providing a concert, uplifting, encouraging. And if you're a part of Celebrate Recovery, you're already excited about this. If you're not a part of Celebrate Recovery, you are welcome to come and worship and celebrate with them. And if you've been thinking, I need to go, but I don't want anyone to know that I need to go, here's your excuse. Okay. Free meal, great concert, uh, and uh, you can slide in, check it out, and then, uh, you'll re- then you'll realize it's just for people like me and you and everyone, because every one of us needs God's help to redeem our lives. So uh, don't miss that. That's Monday night at McCulloch Campus, 5.30 dinner, 6.30 concert. Uh, check it out. Hey, uh, does anyone here have too much joy in their lives? Anyone? Too, too much joy. I mean, you're like, you wake up in the morning going, God, would you please give me some struggles and difficulties and despair just to bring me down a little bit? You know, um, no, no one's really praying that? Uh, I didn't think so. So who wants more joy in their lives? Yeah, okay, that's an easy answer, isn't it? We're like, yeah. How about, how about more joy in their job or their home? How about more joy in your marriage? Yeah. See, we, we want joy. We were created for joy in our relationships, especially our marriages. And, and uh, one of the things I've hated, even since I was a very uh, young teenager, uh, looking forward to that day I'd get married, was people who referenced marriage with those negative uh, pictures. Oh, the old ball and chain. Uh, yeah, oh, the end of your life, you're getting married. You know, the end of freedom and all this... And, and all this stuff, and, and, and I never understood that, and I, I still don't understand it, because we were created for joy. And, and God blessed us with this whole idea of marriage. And, and as uh, Pastor Joe talked about last week, God created us for each other. It's his design, and God has a plan for our families, and God has a plan for our marriages. And that means that God has a plan for intimacy. And yes, uh, I have to tell you that, that this evening uh, I am talking about sex. 
And uh, so suddenly if you realize that you kept your kids in here with you and they need to go check into the, the children's ministry, that's perfectly fine. Uh, this is going to be kind of PG-13. But uh, I want you to know God has a plan for intimacy. So if you believe that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. By the way, I do, without any doubt. I, I don't want to argue about how. I don't argue about when. I don't argue about how long. I don't, I don't care any about that stuff. I just know that God created everything that is. And if you believe that God is the creator, then uh, I hope you understand that the creator has a design. He has a plan. And, and it works best when we follow the creator's plan. Genesis chapter 2, God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. And so he created a woman and he put them together. And God said, for this cause, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. I mean, that's, that, that's the picture of intimacy. And so God has a plan for intimacy. Now, some of you are thinking, uh, what does that have to do with joy? Uh, well, I want you to know that, that God created sex to bless us. Okay? God created sex to bless us, to bless you, to bless me. Uh, Sex was God's idea from the very beginning. Now, I, I know if you grew up in church like I did, then sometimes you think that sex was Satan's idea, right? Because people talk about it. Oh, well, no, let me rephrase that. In church, they didn't talk about it, okay? They only condemned it because those people were acting uh, in, inappropriate, and they used big words to describe it like, you know, immorality and adultery and things like that. And, and so a lot of times, if you grew up in church, you had a negative connotation about, it's about sex. But I want you to understand, sex was God's idea from the beginning. He did not have to make us the way that he did. He did not have to create us so that procreation was pleasurable. Just think about it. Think about it for a minute. God could have made us like the plants. Right? We just pollinate instead of procreate. I mean, what if once a year all the guys with their hair would just shoot off their head, <laughs> fly around, and land on women's heads, and they got pregnant? Okay? I mean, you're laughing, but what, God could have done that, right? You know, change what hats are for, no longer a fashion statement, it's birth control. <laughs> you know, I don't know what that says about bald guys, uh, but... Uh, but anyway, I mean, he, he could have done it. He, he could have done it any way he wanted. But God created us for intimacy. It was his idea. And, and God's plan was one man and one woman joining their lives physically, emotionally, socially, and spiritually to produce a relationship without shame or fear. That, that's God's design. Think about that. One man, one woman joining their lives physically, emotionally, socially, and spiritually to produce a relationship that has no shame or fear. Uh, see, that's God's plan for marriage. That's God's plan for intimacy. One man and one woman committed to each other in order to bless each other, in order to raise a family, in order to protect each other and to celebrate and enjoy life together. So God's plan for intimacy is a relationship of mutual blessing, hope, and joy. So God had a plan, and boy, did we blow it. Didn't we? 
Just completely and totally ruined it. Because if you read the Bible, you had Genesis 1 and 2, which are creation, and God created man and woman and put them together, and, and it's joy. And Genesis 3, uh, they rebelled. They decided they were going to do it their way instead of God's way. And so they brought sin into the world, and they broke the relationship with God, and they broke all relationships that existed, including our relationships. And so we destroyed God's ideal plan, and God redeemed so because of sin, we have things like adultery and abuse and abandonment and addiction. And because of our sin and because of the hardness of our hearts, God gave us divorce and remarriage as a plan B. Plan A, one man, one woman, one lifetime. Plan B, divorce, remarriage. Uh, and, and then uh, there is no biblical plan C. There's no, there's no biblical plan C. Now, I know as I share this that some are going to say, well, uh, pastor, does that mean that you're against gay marriage? You're against things? Or is Calvary against things? And, and, I, uh, and I just like to jump into controversial things anyway, but so let me just say something. I, I, I don't like to be known for what I'm against. I want you to, to know what we're for. And, and see, people uh, uh, can make any choices they want about their life or their lifestyle. We live in a country that's free. You're free to do that. But here's what I know. I can only bless what God blesses. I'm a servant of Christ. I want people to know his truth. I want them to live by his truth. And the more that we align our lives with God's word and with God's truth, then, then the more blessed our lives are. And so I cannot bless what God doesn't bless. So I am for biblical marriage. That's what we stand for. We are for biblical marriage. We, look, we exist to lead people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And so no matter who you are or where you are in life or what your choices are, we love you. And we're going to love you because Jesus loves you. And it doesn't matter if you're an addict or if you're an adulterer. It doesn't matter if you're straight or gay. It doesn't matter if you are, uh, you know, warped and twisted in your mind. You're greedy, you're proud, you're angry, you're rude. God loves you and we're going to love you. But we're going to call you to follow Jesus. And here's what happens when you follow Jesus. He changes your life. And if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus Christ... You believe that Jesus actually is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. You believe that Jesus actually died on a cross to pay for your sins and was raised from the dead. And you've made a commitment to follow Jesus with your life. Then he's changed your life, but he also calls you to surrender your life to him. And, and, and I'm, I, I don't know how else to say this. If you say you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then are you willing to surrender to his word? to his wisdom, to his truth. Because that's what he's calling us to do. To believe him and that, that his way is the best way and, and then to follow his way. And, and, and that's the, the call on our lives. Now, God continues to redeem our lives. And wherever you are in your journey, I'm just going to challenge you to, to love him and follow him and let him lead you. So uh, we're for biblical marriage and God continues to redeem but we struggle to regain sight of God's plan and vision for intimacy. And, and we know this because we, we look at the world around us and we see the struggle that the world has with the whole subject of intimacy. 
right? They boiled intimacy down to uh, be all about the physical, right? All the way to the point of we buy intimate apparel. Like, you know, wearing clothing that's on in a very, for a very short period of time is actually going to increase intimacy. Because it's, we, we boil it down to the physical, right? I mean, everything is about the physical. Uh, we live in a world that has twisted God's beautiful gift of sex that was designed to unite a husband and a wife, and we've turned it into a recreational activity. We've turned it into uh, casual relationships that are pursued for pleasure and self-gratification instead of a sacred expression of love. And then we wonder why our relationships struggle. We wonder why our marriages fall apart. We wonder why we're not happy. We really wonder why there's not much joy in our relationships. So let me just ask you a couple of questions before we go on. Do you believe that God created the world? Okay. Do you believe that God has a plan for intimacy that will actually bless you? See, if we say yes to those, then are we going to listen to God's counsel for our lives? See, that's the choice you've got to make tonight. Because I'm going to talk about uh, choices that will change your marriage. Choices that will change your marriage. This is God's counsel for us about how we're living our lives at, that will impact your marriage, that will impact your intimacy, if you will. Because all of us make choices. We make choices about the attitude we're going to have. We make choices about where we're going to go. Probably the hardest choice you make all week is where you're going to eat after this service, right? <laughs> Sit there and debate and discuss. End up at the same place you go every week, so why don't you just go there anyway? <laughs> we make choices about what we're going to do, how we're going to act. Now, you can't choose what happens to you, but you can choose how you're going to respond to that. So, I want to challenge you to make two decisions that will greatly impact your marriage. The first one is to rejoice in your spouse. I want to challenge you to choose to rejoice in your spouse. Uh, Proverbs chapter 5 Beginning at verse 18. Now, Proverbs is written by a man, King Solomon, to his son. So everything that is written in here is written, uh, a dad talking to his boys. Okay, so uh, the language, uh, I'm sorry, is if you're looking at this from an inclusive language, it's not. It's sexist language because it's a dad talking to his boys. We're listening in. Uh, so just to go ahead and understand the principles apply to everyone. He says, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe, let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Rejoice in your spouse. Now, what, what's interesting is that passage is there in, in the middle of Proverbs 5. And Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 is basically three chapters warning his sons against the dangers of immorality. The dangers of adultery. It's basically saying, hey, don't be stupid. Uh, choose to rejoice in your spouse, delight in him or her, be intoxicated in their love. And if you delight in somebody else, you're an idiot. Okay, that, that's what he's saying. If you delight in somebody who isn't your spouse, it's going to lead you to sorrow and pain and destruction. It's going to destroy your reputation and your relationship. That's Solomon's counsel. So he says, choose to rejoice in your spouse. 
should be easy. Now, I should think, go with me for a minute. This should really be easy for us to choose to rejoice in our spouse because we're the ones who picked them. Right? Any, anybody here who is in an arranged marriage? You had no choice in that? I don't see any hands. Okay, so if you're sitting here complaining about your spouse, it is your fault. You got nobody else to blame, but you, you stood there publicly. You, I mean, think about this. Not only did you choose them, you chose to make everybody come and watch you choose them. You made your best girlfriends, ladies, wear ugly dresses to make you look even better as a bride. Guys, you made your best buddies wear these uncomfortable tuxedos and follow you around all weekend long, at, you know, and eat, you know, bad food at a reception so that you could stand there publicly and say, I choose them. We all did that if we're married. So why don't you choose to rejoice in them? Make it a daily decision. You go, well, how do I do that? What does that mean? Okay, first of all, it means that you thank God for your spouse. Because this will change your attitude. Thank God for your spouse. When was the last time that you just stopped and said, God, I thank you for uh, my wife. I thank you for my husband. Now, see, for me, I, I, I try to do that every single day. And since I usually leave the house before Meralda gets up, uh, or I wake her up when I leave, uh, she's there sleeping, and, and I just kind of get to pray, standing there like some kind of you know, psycho stalker looking at her and, uh, and just kind of go, God, you know, thank you for blessing with her. So it changes our attitude toward our spouse when we, when we do that. And then, and then the second part is this, ask God to help you love them better. Ask God to help you love them better because that will alter your actions because love is patient and love is kind. And if you start thinking, how can I be patient with my spouse and how can I be kind toward my spouse, then it actually results in different kinds of actions, different kinds of words. Make those two choices every single day and it'll start affecting your attitude. You'll start rejoicing in your spouse. And you see, we have to do this because the temptation is to rejoice in someone else. The temptation is to you know, compare them with somebody else, and, and that's not fair. Because we live with them, and we don't live with that other person. That's a false comparison. So men, let me talk to the men just for a minute. Men, if you're, if you're married, even if you're not married, this both applies. Stop looking at porn. Just stop looking at porn. And don't, I know, we're in church, you guys going to go, oh, we're, we're in church. We're, we're those kind of people. We don't look at, come on. Statistics say that 95% of guys struggle with lust and the other 5% struggle with lying. That, that's, a, that's a Chad statistic, by the way. Um, so guys, stop looking at porn. Your wife cannot compete with false images of an online fantasy entertainment. And by the way, if you're like, well, I want to stop looking at porn, but I can't, then uh, get an accountability software on your devices. I use Covenant Eyes, and yes, it costs a subscription to do that, but it holds me accountable, and that accountability is a great deterrent because I don't have to walk into the office on Monday morning and guys go, hey, uh, what are we looking at? See, it, it, just, it just is that extra protection. So if, if you don't have accountability and you're struggling with that, then you need to get that accountability. But stop comparing your wife to other women. You don't really know them. 
I mean, think about this. You become enamored with another woman. She's pretty, she's funny, she's encouraging, she's playful and smart. In fact, you think she's perfect, not at all like your wife. But reality is, somewhere there is a guy who is thanking God that she is no longer in his life. <laughs> Just saying. Do you think about it? So rejoice in your wife, celebrate your wife, be grateful for your wife. You will be blessed. And ladies, stop looking at porn. And, and, I, and I'm serious because, again, Triple uh, X Church says that among women under 40, over 50% consume porn on a regular basis. And please stop complaining about your husband. He's not romantic enough. He doesn't help with the chores enough. He doesn't make enough money. He's too fat or he loses weight too fast. He isn't fun. Just stop complaining. Understand that when you complain about your husband, you push him away emotionally. Which, by the way, is the opposite of intimacy. And, I, and, I, and I've heard a lot of, of wives say, my husband just won't open up. He just won't talk to me. He won't share what he's feeling. He won't share, you know, what he's thinking about. Well, yeah, if he's getting bombarded with negative comments, uh, you're, you're not inspiring him to change by complaining. You're basically rejecting him. If you really want to see your husband grow and change, then delight in him. Encourage him. Celebrate his successes and his accomplishments. Let him know that you rejoice in him and you'll be amazed at how the relationship grows. Now the challenge is this. Right now, husbands and wives all across the room are hopeful that their spouse is listening. <laughs> it's true. We're all thinking, oh yeah, if they're, if they, just, they need to hear this. No, see, here's the thing. If you think she needs to hear it, it's for you. If you're thinking he needs to apply this, it's for you. It's, see, what Satan wants us to do is both play the waiting game. Well, I will if she will. I will if he will. I'm going to wait and see if they apply it. No, you just listen to God and you delight in the spouse of your youth. You delight in them. And you let God show up in your life and, and change you and see what he does in your marriage. If you want more joy in your marriage, then rejoice in your spouse. By the way, you know what the basic conflict of contentment is in, in marriages? Uh, ladies, you're disappointed because your husband didn't become the man you hoped and wanted him to become. You were expecting him to change. Men, you're disappointed with your wife because she did change and she's not the woman you married. <laughs> so we all need to repent. And rejoice in the spouse of our youth. Okay, so choose to rejoice. Uh, by the way, if you're here with your spouse right now, just, just look at them and say, I choose to rejoice in you. Okay, ready, set, go. Ralda, I choose to rejoice in you. <laughs> oh, this is great. Some of you just lost me because now you're like all romantic, googly-eyed and everything. <laughs> You'll like this next point then. Second choice, choose to protect your marriage. Choose to protect your marriage. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Uh, I want you to hear the Apostle Paul, who was single when he wrote this, uh, and, but he knows what he's talking about because God inspired him. 
He says, now concerning the matters about which you wrote, in other words, they ask a question, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Remember, Paul is single. He's talking to people about staying single. He says, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, I know that's the Bible and so sometimes it's hard for us to hear it. So let me interpret it the way I think that we ought to read this passage from the Apostle Paul. Okay? Follow along with me again. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife have sex, and each woman should have her own husband have sex. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights have sex, and likewise the wife to her husband have sex. For the wife does not have the authority over her own body, but the husband does have sex. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does have sex. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, have sex, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again, have sex, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Does that provide some clarity for the passage? See, that's what the Apostle Paul is saying to us. He's saying, hey, protect your marriage. We live in a fallen world that is distorted by sin. We know this. The temptation to be immoral is everywhere, whether you are married or whether you are single. And we are trying to live faithful biblical lives. We're trying to have faithful biblical marriages in a Tinder, Match.com, hookup culture. And in a culture where immoral behavior is encouraged and expected. And so the Apostle Paul challenges us to protect our lives and our marriages by enjoying God's gift of sex in marriage. And he's, by the way, I don't know if you caught that, but he says abundantly. Now, notice also, if you're here and you're not married, first of all, he encourages singleness. And, and the reason that Paul encourages singleness is, is because of his own life. He says, look, you can devote yourself 100% to serving God, but if you can't resist temptation, then get married. Have a great relationship. Have a healthy relationship. Now, he did not write this to give anyone ammunition to manipulate. Because I know what some of you guys are thinking right now. It's what I thought the first time I read this as a young man. As a husband, I'm going, honey, guess what? Your body wants to have sex. The Bible says it's mine. <laughs> and, and ladies, your response would be, yeah, well, your body's mine too. And your body has a headache. So, uh... <laughs> You see, the challenge isn't about control. It's not about demand. The challenge is about intimacy. It's about intimacy. That, that you value the relationship more than you value your own desires. Let me say it again. That you value the relationship with your spouse more than you value getting your own way. And that means, men, you should never demand, threaten, force, or manipulate for sex. 
You should be sensitive to your wife's needs and desires. And, and women, you should never deny just for selfish reasons or to use sex to manipulate or control. God designed physical intimacy to strengthen our marriages. It, it brings you back to that place in paradise where we were naked and unashamed. It allows the two lives to become one. So how do you handle differing levels of expectations and desire for physical intimacy? With loving communication or loving negotiation. Let's just call it what it is. You and your spouse find a number that works for your marriage, for your relationship. And then enjoy each other before God. Don't worry about what the world says you ought to be doing. Don't worry about what uh, anybody else says you ought to be doing. Just you and your spouse enjoy each other before God. Now, I don't know if this has been awkward for you as it has been for me, but uh, I want to remind you that wherever you are in your relationship, God is inviting you to trust him, to surrender to him, and to follow him. And he will redeem your life, first and foremost. And he will redeem your relationship. If you're not married, I want to challenge you to live your life to honor God, not the way the world is encouraging you. I'm not saying it's easy. It wasn't easy when, when a lot of us were younger, but it's harder now. But I'm just going to challenge you to, to listen to God and trust him that he will bless you if you will follow his path. Now, I have a closing challenge for couples, okay? If you're married, you're in this relationship, uh, I want to challenge you, first of all, to have a date with God. And that means a quiet time, a prayer time. I challenge you to do this all the time, but specifically to ask this question of God. Am I rejoicing in my mate? Am I rejoicing in my spouse? You need to spend some time with God and, and get honest with him and say, okay, God, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? What do you want me to change? Am I rejoicing in my spouse? Because the Holy Spirit in you will convict you. And, and he will challenge you at some of the things that you're doing that are sabotaging your relationship. He'll affirm you in some of those things you're doing that are good and he'll teach you how to love better. So this week, challenge number one, for each individual that's here, have a date with God. Am I rejoicing in my spouse is the question you want to ask God. And then I want to challenge you, if you're married, to have a date with your spouse. And I want to guide that conversation because I want to dare you. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you to risk intimacy by asking this question of your spouse. I want you to say, are you satisfied? Are you satisfied with our intimacy? Are you satisfied with our relationship? Because I want to protect our marriage. I want to fight for our marriage. And that means that we need to talk. We need to listen. We need to, to be one in this. And, and really the question is, are we growing together or are we pushing each other away? Are we growing together or are we pushing each other away? And then I, I want to challenge you to close that date by praying for each other and asking God to grow your relationship. To really make you one. Because all of this was God's idea. And he has a plan for intimacy. He created us for joy in the context of a marriage relationship. And I pray that 
you're experiencing it now and that you'll trust God to redeem it if you're not. Let's pray together. Father, your gifts are amazing. Your gift of life and all the blessings that come with it, your gifts of love, love that you demonstrated through Jesus on the cross as he gave himself for us to forgive our sins and to make us part of his family. Your, the gift of love that is expressed in the marriage relationship between a husband and wife. Father, you know our hearts, you know our families, you know our marriages, and you know that we need you. We need you to teach us how to love like you have loved us. We, we need you to pour out your grace so that we can offer it to our spouses. We can forgive. God, we need your healing power so that we can not just be men and women who honor Christ, but we can be families that honor Jesus. So God, where we need to be convicted, please convict. Where we need to be healed, please heal. Where we need to be taught, we open up our minds and our hearts to receive your instruction but most of all we want to build our lives on you on your love and on your truth this is our prayer in jesus name amen